Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. everybody welcome back to the turn the jets podcast i'm your host will parkinson at will pile 11 on twitter instagram and tiktok joined by a special guest today someone that jets uh jets twitter and jets fans should be very familiar with Lejay dujival how uh how you doing today Lejay? how's everything going i'm doing good Will. how about yourself not too bad you know it's the the heat of the off season we're in the the worst possible time right now where every, <laughs> everyone's very bored about and, hot takes uh the hot takes are flowing <laughs> there is some wild stuff on my timeline as I'm, as I'm sure is on yours. Um, obviously a big off season for the jets, you know, we'll continue to talk about this, obviously, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a make it or break it time. You got to start showing, you know, more than, you know, progress, obviously going from two to four wins. is nice. Now it's, you know, you got to compete. Um, you know, you can only have so many picks and cap space forever. Correct. Whatever your, obviously, you know, the season as a whole was something that was, you know, depending on how you want to look at it, it could be glass half full glass, half empty. Um, what's one thing this offseason you feel like biggest need they need to address or one thing that you're like, this, if this, they don't solve this problem, they're not going to be able to be successful? Um, just having played in the system, right, in, with Salah in 2017 in the San Francisco 49ers, uh, the safety position, if you look at what San Fran has done, they've had pretty much stability there with Jimmy Ward and Joukowsky. Now, both of them have kind of been banged up throughout their careers. But this year when they made that run, both of those, you know, players were there for most of the season. They're key cogs in that defense. And, and the thing is with Sala and his safety position, you got to be interchangeable with those guys. And I think that's what he really wanted to do with Marcus Joyner and Marcus May. But unfortunately, both of those guys got hurt this year. So uh, we saw Marcus get hurt very early in the first game versus the Panthers. Um, and they, they never really solidified that spot. And then when Marcus May got injured, you know, the back end, it just didn't play as well. Now, Ashton Davis made some strides towards the end of the year, um, but I think he still has a long way to go. So, honestly, that's the one position I've been saying that all offseason, that they have to rectify that. I would say a close second is another edge rusher, right? Um, I actually just talked to Carl Lawson the other day, saw him. He looks really good. He's down here rehabbing in Florida. Uh, I think he'll be back to 100%, but I think you still need one more piece on the outside. And if you look at how this defense – particularly is built is built off the front four getting after the quarterback, right? Because on third down, they like to play a lot of man coverage. And then even not on third down, a lot of cover three, which can essentially turn to man coverage depending on route combinations um, for your corners. So you have to be able to get after the quarterback. We saw the San Francisco 49ers, what they've done the last few years with uh, when the Forrest Buckner was there, uh, Eric Armstead, uh, Nick Bosa on the outside this year, Samson Abucon and, and Arden Key made big strides and adding to that pass rush um, the year before um, my guy, Kerry Hyder. So you got to have at least six rushers on this team. And I think they need to add an, another viable piece on the outside and edge because you, you can move JFM inside on third down. And now you're talking about having three good rushers inside with Sheldon Rankins, Quentin Williams, and now JFM. So, which I think he's more comfortable rushing inside. I've had this conversation with him before. He likes to play outside, but he likes to rush better inside and get a guard on the island one-on-one. So those are the two position needs I think that they have to address. Um, they've been linked to a lot of, you know, free agents 
safeties, which I think is a, a, a better bet, especially in this defense. You're a guy that's played some years, a guy that's smart, that can line up the back end of the defense. Uh, you know, Marcus Williams has been thrown out there. And honestly, you know, people were saying they're going to have to overpay. But I like in this situation to the situation that happened a few years ago when there was about seven or eight really good safeties in free agency. You might not have to overpay as much because, you know, the, the talent runneth over in, this, in, the, in the free agent class in a, at the safety position. So, you know, you got so many guys. Jordan Whitehead is going to be free agent. Tyron Matthews is going to be a free agent. I believe Con Quandre Diggs, although he's coming off the injury, is going to be a free agent. So you have so many good safeties that are going to be free agents, and you can put viable pieces in the back end to really shore up your defense. Yeah, I think they're both they're going to be interesting positions to watch because between, you know, where they pick in the draft, obviously, you know, and Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, should they be there? I'm not sure they will be, but if they are, obviously, there's going to be huge options for them. Kyle Hamilton's a guy who obviously is a hot topic on uh, on Twitter. Can't take them number yeah, four, it's just it's a tough situation. <laughs> and the, Jet, the Jets have been down that road, uh, you know, four exactly. or five years ago. <laughs> Jamal and Kyle Hamilton are not the same player. It's just the principle of the position. But yeah, there's a ton of guys. I love Justin Reed out of Houston. I think from an age perspective, I think he's only yeah. turning. I think he's turning 25, which he's young and it's crazy. Yeah. He had a bad rap in Houston, but he's he's a really good player. I don't know what was going on because, for all intents and purposes, from her with David Kelly, Cully is a really good person to get along with. So I'm real interested to see like the background. You know, teams will have to do their due diligence, but uh, for what you'd have to pay him, it's big upside as far as getting a safety of his caliber for maybe a one-year, maybe two-year cheap deal. Um, so I really like that pick as well. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting. Like I said, it'll be interesting. And then, you know, obviously, look, there's a guy, there's guys like Chandler Jones who if the Jets want to go the veteran route and they want to, you know, Carl Lawson, hopefully we all hope, obviously, we get to see a full 16 games, full 17 games from him. Even if you got 13, 14 games out of him, frankly, it's a, it's a big W, but – um, no, Carl, he'll be ready. Yeah. No, I think mid training camp. He just he works hard, man. So. Yeah, like you look at Cam Akers. I mean, like that's the one thing I think as a Jets fan you take out of that that run is like three months, four months removed from an Achilles. He was coming in running people over. Um, the other on the offensive side of the ball, obviously, right now it's you know, the offensive line is still an issue. Um, I think it's getting better in Mackay Beckton. Look, there's a lot of stuff out there. We've talked, I've talked about this in the podcast. You've talked about it a lot. The stuff is real. Um, they're, you know, everyone, oh, it's leaks. It's not leaks. It's, it's actually the Jets actually trying, I think, trying to do their best to protect the guy that's a huge asset for them. And yeah. you, know, you can only kind of dance around issues some for so long. So at some point, it's like, no, dude, let's go. Let's get ready to let's, go. Let's not sugarcoat it. This is do or die from Makai Beckton this year, right? This is his third year as a top 10 pick. And in your third year, and even Coach Salah said this, and I've always, been big on saying this by your third year you should kind of know who you are in this league or start to begin to form who you are in this league so uh you know the best ability is availability and we i know me and you've had this conversation about Derek stanley jr but it goes for anybody in the league right it's hard for a team to pick you or pay you if you're not available to play so i think he knows this i think he's probably had conversations with his agents and close people to him knowing that this is do or die this year because especially when you got George Fent playing at a Pro Bowl caliber type, you know, level last year as, as he played at the left tackle position, uh, a position he finally was able to be stable and comfortable in. Uh, I think that even adds more pressure to the situation, right? Because they technically have him on a deal for two more years. So if you're Makai Beckton, you have to realize, yeah, I got to do everything I need to in this offseason to, to make sure I'm healthy. Now, the foot thing, that was, that was a fluke, you know, thing. The defensive lineman stepped on his foot and kind of bended him back. So, I mean, there's not, he was engaged with another guy and a guy that weighs 300 pounds steps on your ankle foot. There's nothing you can do about that. That comes with the game of football. So, um, but he, he just has to try to do his best to stay healthy and do what he can do to come in and in his best, the best shape of his life, as healthy as possible and, and ready to go. I would say during OTAs, not even training camp, like you want to come in OTAs, you know, ready to go and, and show everybody like, you know, I know my, my rookie year showed a lot of potential, missed some time. Uh, last year, missed all the season except for one half. But I'm the guy that you guys believe in to take taking the top ten, and I'm gonna show you why. So yeah, this is a this is a massive monumental year for Makai Beckton. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's I'm not concerned about the injury stuff. Um, I think he's had some. He had a pec injury, played through. He's yeah, you know, he, he had the a, foot. He the fluke stuff. It's just it's look. This is my concern coming out. It's my concern with Zion and other people. When you're naturally just. Un, you're unnaturally that big like yeah. most people aren't that big you have to work twice as hard to stay in great shape and um i think you know i'm hoping 
there's a staff that's just going to try to get the most out of them. Look, it's, it takes a long time to get adjusted to these different schemes and systems. And George Fant's probably been one of the best, best, you know, free agent signings of Joe Douglas's tenure, which they've been few, they've been few and far between, few but, far yeah, between, but they, sure, they haven't yeah. been great. And um, that kind of takes me to, you know, number four, you know, I'm going to be an indie. Um, I'm not sure if you're going or not, but I, you know, you were down I the scene. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> you know, you were, you were, you know, we were both in, in mobile and, a lot of different offensive line prospects there. There's some other guys, you know, Nicky Aquanu and Evan Neal that might be there at four. Do you think it's a good allocation of resources to have now invested if they go O-line at four, three top 14 picks, multiple $10 million contracts, you know, the other two spots? Is it is it a good look for the Jets? I know this is like a stupid question in a way, but is it a good look for the Jets to know, like, they ignored O-line for so long and then they just invested so much of their resources in O-line? Um is that a red flag for Beckton or is it more like, you know, we want to get that one missing piece to make this a dominant, you know, a dominant front five. Yeah. I, I say it is, it's not really a shot at Beckton. It's you want to make this a dominant line, right? You, you just drafted your quarterback of the future, your franchise, hopeful quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years, but what better way to make sure he's secure. You know, some of his issues were in the pocket as far as evading the pocket because he was under fire a little bit earlier in the year, right? And he, he grew and, and got better in that aspect as the season went on, as he started to build more confidence in his offensive line. So why not shore up that offensive line? That way he could take that next progressive step and staying in the pocket, being able to get off his reads quicker and fire the ball and show some of that arm talent that he has. So I don't think it's a shot at Makai Beckham if they take, you know, Ecom uh, at number four, I think, which they should do because of the this, um, position flexibility that he has. He can come in and, and start at right tackle or he can start at guard. And now you're talking about him having him and AVT at the two guard positions, Fant and uh, Makai Beckton at the, the other tackle positions. And, you know, people have been, been giving Connor McGovern a lot of guff and I, I don't understand it. You know, he actually played really well last year. Now, I love, you know, Lyndon Baum from Iowa, but it's not really a position need for, for the Jets right now, right? Like uh, Connor, uh, Connor uh, McGovern played really well last year. And even even uh, when Dan Finney got in, so they were able to sign Finney back, which he probably might have some suitors the way he played down the stretch. They're able to get Finney back on a two-year deal. He could be the sling guy and the backup center. You're solidified in the offensive line position. So, um, you know, Tyler, Tyler Linderbaum, I love him. I love his game. I love the dog that he plays with. Um, but you get that from Ecom too, right? And you have the position flexibility to play him at tackle and at guard. And I think it just makes sense at the number four spot um, because you really solidify the offensive line and you give Zach his security blankets up front where he can really progress in the second year. Yeah, so I, I wanted to kind of get your take on this. So obviously, I don't, we'll talk about tight end a little bit, but from a receiver perspective, it's pretty clear the Jets need an additional weapon there. If not, I'm a, I'm number a, one. Yeah, I'm, I'm on with the belief they need a one and they need a – if you can have it go number one, Corey and Elijah, and then a number four veteran type, well, Keelan Cole, the role Keelan Cole played a little bit this year. We'll see if he's back or not. Um, and then you go, you know, Braxton Barris, if you bring him back, there's like a f strong five right there. Do you think the Jets should go in the direction of, you know, a Allen Robinson, Mike Williams type in free agency if they make it there through the draft and a Drake London, Traylon Burks, um, you know, Garrett Wilson sense or the trade market? You know, I, I just tweeted about this earlier. There's, you know, the Calvin Ridley stuff seems to be there's some some lifestyle stuff in Atlanta. I have a couple of robberies, and it, it it seems as though that may be an issue for a reason why he may be looking to get out of to get out of Atlanta. Is it? Would you rather go the free agent route, the trade route, or the draft route? Which which way would you say is the most effective for a young quarterback? Big thing, right? And you know, they brought in Corey Davis last year. To me, who's always been a number two. He's a really good number two receiver. He's not a pure number one receiver. Also, I would say, um, you know, there's been rumors about the Calvin Ridley thing, but there's a lot to go into that with his mental health. Uh, does he want out of Atlanta? They've already come out and said they want him to come back. So we see that. I mean, Amari Cooper is another name that's been thrown out there as far as trade value and being able to get a guy like that. Honestly, though, I, I love Mike Williams because he brings – something to the table that no other receiver on the Jets has. You know, a big, tall receiver that can run routes, that can run, uh, that can go up and get the ball 50-50 catch, um, you know, ability to be able to go up and get contested catches. And then in the red zone, just being a big target that Zach Wilson can throw the ball up to. He never really had that 
last year. So I, I really like him. We'll see what the Chargers do because they have a boatload of money. I didn't realize the Chargers had that much money, which is crazy for a team that has so much talent. They have that much money. Um, and free agency after playing, you know, Corey Lindsay, the number one deal. Bosa was the number one defensive player for a while. Uh, they're still going to have to play Derwin James, a boatload of money. And uh, I can see them maybe potentially trying to hold on to Mike Williams. We'll see. I think Mike Williams is going to get a, probably the most money on the free agent market, maybe besides Chris Godwin, uh, just because Chris Godwin is so multiple in what he can do at the receiver position. Uh, Allen Robinson is, is a unique prospect, right? Because he probably had his worst, one of his worst years last year. Um, with a new rookie quarterback, um, but he gets it done no matter who the quarterback is. We saw it with Blake Bortles. We saw it with Mitch Trubisky. Um, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Allen Robinson can get it done. So I really like him too. I think he's only going to be 28 or 29 uh, going into the season. So depending on Joe D and his track record, right, I could see him maybe going for an Allen Robinson because he probably wouldn't have to pay him as much as a Mike Williams or a Chris Godwin, you know? So I think this is the year that the Jets have to make a splash in free agency to take that next step. Uh, you have to bring in some stars. So I know we talked about safety. Marcus Williams is the guy that they could potentially bring in. Jordan Whitehead, who I really love, is a guy that they could, you know, potentially bring in. I mean, Tyron Matthews even out there, a guy that they could potentially bring in. So at the receiver position, you, you have to walk away from the draft or the free agent signing period with a, a solidified number one receiver, right? And granted, Elijah Moore maybe could work himself into being a number one. But right now, Zach Wilson needs a, a number one. And the thing is, bringing in another big receiver is only going to help Elijah Moore, you know, because teams aren't going to be able to double team him. It's going to help Corey Davis um, when, they, you know, they decide to go 11 personnel, three wide. So if you bring in a guy that's already got a track record, it's going to help Corey Davis and Elijah Moore anyway. Yeah, I'm. I'd love to see that. Like, look, I'm a huge Drake London guy. I, I know the Jets yeah. are they're high on Drake London, and I mean they're high on a lot of these guys. Obviously, there there's a lot of talented you know receivers out there. I think giving Zach a guy that can go up and catch those 50-50 balls is super important, and then you can you know utilize Elijah more in kind of multiple ways. And I know Ocho Cinco tweeted yesterday, but it is true from that sense of being able to use you know, use Elijah in a lot, you know, in the slot, out of the backfield, all these different things. I yeah, think like that's, Cooper Cup, yeah. yeah, like I think that's, that stuff is real. And of course, of course, everyone took it as, you know, saying uh, that he thinks he's just as good as somebody was saying. He's just no, saying, no, it's just no. about, it's just about using, just like using uh, the skill set. Yeah. Just using the skill set. So um, I kind of wanted to hit on, I want to hit on this from a, um, you know, in terms of, of Zach Wilson kind of going forward, is there, is there one area obviously he needs to improve on quite a bit. Um, I think, mm. Anyone objectively looking at it, I think he showed some flashes. I think there were some nice yeah. moments. The Bucks game obviously stands out from a, you know, true just like playing good quarterback. Um, I would say the, the first half of the Philly game. Too. Yeah, first half of the Philly game was really nice. You saw some moments. You saw some moments across, you know, throughout the year. But what are maybe is one thing for you that independent of talent, coaching, whatever it is, right? You can't, we can't control that as of now. But is there one thing to you that's like, if he improves this, it'll show me a lot in terms of, you know, him going forward and being able to reach even close to the potential that I think we all know he has. Yeah, I think it's a tie between two things. And we kind of touched on it earlier, right, of him staying in the pocket, not invading the pocket when he didn't have to. Like, he has to realize, and he started realizing this towards the end of the year, right? And the thing is, when you're a rookie quarterback, the only way to get better is reps, right? And that's how he was able to get better, especially coming off the injury midway through the season. Um, pressure in the NFL is not the same as pressure in college, right? Pressure in college may be a guy that's maybe two, three feet away from you, but in the NFL, it's somebody that's in your face. Like, <laughs> like you got to be able to still stare down the barrel and, and, and complete passes, right? And we saw that towards the end of the year. I need him to stop working on, stop going backwards, right? Being able to step up in that sweet spot in the pocket and deliver passes. That's one of the biggest areas I want him to improve on because when he was comfortable and he, we saw it some sometimes versus the Miami Dolphins in Miami when he was able to, to hit that back foot and let the, the ball go and even then he was still too far back in the pocket but he didn't evade the pocket at least he stayed in the pocket so that to me was a baby step but the next natural step is for him to take that hitch up into the pocket and let the ball go right get more comfortable in the pocket trusting your O-line and then the next thing is footwork like he has to repetition 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 on his footwork especially on those those quick easy flare route passes to the side or 
those those quick, you know, over the middle passes on option routes to running backs. Sometimes he was high with the football. Um, sometimes he was just trying to get the ball out of his hand so quick on screen passes. We've seen it to, to Braxton Bears where he skips a pass into the ground or to Michael Carter on a screenplay because he's trying to get the ball out of his hand so quick. But you have to really drill that footwork into your head. You have to make the easy throws the same footwork as you make on a seven-step drop, right? Get that foot in the ground and let it go. When Zach, Zach got in trouble is when he's trying to throw off his back foot. And you can't do that in this league. We've seen it even with a veteran guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. When he gets in trouble and it's usually throwing outside the numbers, it's because he's trying to throw off his back foot. So if you're not consistent with your footwork and your fundamentals, you will struggle in that area. He's going to continue to struggle in that area of not being able to make those easy completions where you get the ball to somebody in space because you're trying to rush and not, you know, use your footwork and fundamentals. So just drilling that. So the footwork and the pocket presence are the two areas I want to see him grow the most uh, this offseason. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I was, I, I posted a few, um, you know, graphs and clips about this, but Zach, one of the things that, you know, look, B, relative to competition, obviously BYU had one of the better offensive lines in the country in 2020 and, uh, you know, 2021. And Zach was the best at evading sacks in terms of like the entire country, all those, you know, all those guys in the draft, he was the best one. And this year he was by far the worst um, in the NFL. It's like, it, it was, it's pretty staggering. And even if he gets 50% better at that and gets just kind of just to the middle of middle of the pack, I think it'll, you know, dramatically improve um, his performance. I think something that Ben, Sal ben Solak brought up um, recently was just Zach adjusting in year one to level of competition, but also like how good an athlete am I truly, or how strong is my arm truly? And I think um, you saw moments where he was that guy and there's other moments where he probably could have, you know, didn't need to play it as risky uh, yeah. to say the least. And I think we'll see, we should see a big improvement in that, you know, year one, year two. And then hopefully, as you mentioned, you know, year three is kind of for every, all these guys, Elijah, Michael, Cole, any of these, the corners, year three is the, you know, year where it needs to get all put together. I wanted to get your opinion on a couple of D line players. One of which um, I want to kind of, from a Kayvon Thibodeau perspective, mm -hmm. I think he's the best. He's my you know, number one player in the draft. I just think that the upside there, I've comped him a little bit to Chandler Jones. I think just the twitchiness. So not, I'm not saying he has to get there, but that the game, yeah. kind of that twitchiness, that kind of raw, you know, um, you know, speed to power a little bit. It's a lot of that stuff. What are your impressions of Kayvon? Because I think, um, you know, it's, oh, he's going to fall out of the top five, fall out of the top six. Other people, you know, have him as, you know, their number one player. So yeah. where do you kind of stand on him, obviously being a former defensive lineman? Well, it's funny that you, you said that because me and Connor talked about that yesterday. I, I don't see the comparison to Taylor Jones, respectfully. Yeah. Um, just because Taylor Jones is one of the most slippery dog linemen <laughs> I've ever seen. As far as he, he has the ability to, yes, he can go speed to power, but if you see him a lot of times at the top of that that, that rush, right, he'll flip his hips. Kayvon Thibodeau doesn't have that. Like, he, he literally beats everybody with speed to power or a speed dip. Like, you don't see him ever turning his hip you know, to take away the punching surface from offensive linemen. And Chandler Jones, to me, is the best in the league at doing that. He's just so slippery. He does a great job. He's, he's just like, it's almost like a snake. He just slithers around, guys. Um, I honestly, um, I love his athletic ability, though. I love his twitchiness. Like, uh, as far as, like, getting off the ball, there's not too many better in, in this draft than Kayvon Thibodeau. And I love the, the way he plays. He plays fierce. He plays hard. He grinds, um, not only in the pass rush game, but in the run game as well. I just think he's just a little stiff, right? And it's going to take a, a good coach um, to really help him open up his bag of tricks when it comes to pass rushing, right? Because you're not going to be able to just hit everybody with a speed dip. You got guys like Trent Williams that are just as athletic as you at 330 pounds. And you're not going to speed to power him because he weighs 330 pounds. Where in the Pac-12, you can get away with that. And, and me and Connor kind of discussed this, and I and I talked to you about this too. Like the Pac-12 has kind of struggled with offensive tackles this year. There's not a not a lot of guys. There probably won't be a guy, uh, offensive tackle wise, even drafted maybe in the top four or five rounds um, from the Pac-12 this year, which uh, I want to say is not astonishing. Uh, I don't know if they have a crazy track record of offensive tackles. I know uh, you know Jake Long was was at Oregon. Um, they've had a few guys. Um, you know the guy last year from Oregon uh, that went to Detroit. Um, Penesul, yeah. Penesul. So, I mean, they've, they've had some guys, that, but they didn't have any guys really this year that, that really could have tested them. So, you know, we, we've seen Ikem versus Jermaine Johnson on film, but we never really see, saw that this year 
from Kayvon Thibodeau. But I, I love his I love his twitchiness, as you said. I, I love the way he plays the game. I just think he's gonna have to go to the right system. Now the Jets could potentially be a really great system because of the way they play in there and how free they let their D-line play. And I think Coach Whiteco could potentially help him with some of his moves as far as getting to the quarterback and opening up that bag of tricks of not just going speed to power, being able to get off the speed to power and flip your hips and get to the quarterback just a millisecond quicker, right? Because the ball is coming out in the NFL. But uh, I wouldn't be upset if they just took him at four, right? Because he has a big upside. If he can unlock them hips, I just think he's just, he's a little stiff. Now he can bend. That's the good thing about him. He can bend as far as those like speed dips and dipping up under offensive tackles. He can give you that. So there's a lot to work with right there. And then also like Carl Lawson coming back, he went out automatically have to be the guy. Right. Um, and I think that kind of hurt Solomon Thomas a few years ago when he went three overall, they were trying to expect him to be the guy when they should have just kind of pitch counted him because for one, they took him too high. And I love Solomon to death. I know he's going to have a that weird tweener. Yeah, he's he's gonna have a long career, um, but again, another Pac-12 guy. Um, you can rush inside it in the Pac-12 at 200 and maybe 50, 60 pounds. You're not doing that in the SEC. You're not doing that in the Big Ten. You know what I'm saying? So like, uh, he kind of struggled in that aspect. But now he's kind of beefed up a little bit, and they've made him, you know, you know, purely a, a defensive tackle almost at the at Las Vegas Raiders, and he's actually had his best season yet this past year. So, you know, some guys just develop a little bit, bit later on. And and I was, you know, harping on this. I'm harping on this for a while. Like, coaching matters, right? You can have a guy that has all the talent in the world, but if he goes to the wrong system with the wrong coach, that talent gets wasted. It really does. It gets wasted. So I, I, the Jets would be a good good spot potentially for him. Uh, I, I mean, he's probably going to fall away to – what is Seattle like? Oh, Seattle didn't have first-round pick. We had yeah. the first-round pick. Yeah. I would say a, a team like Seattle would be good for him. But I even can see him in a in a three four scheme, so I could see um, uh, uh, multiple teams. Maybe the Houston Texans grab him. Maybe the Detroit Lions. I just think Aiden Hutchinson being from up there, it just makes sense for them to take him number two if if Neil goes number one. I, I don't see them not now. Jacksonville could screw this all up by taking Hutchinson number one overall. Then everybody's gonna be in the free for all. But I could see the Texans then maybe taking Neil at three. And then maybe Detroit probably for sure getting Kayvon Thibodeau at two. And then, you know, to just get Aikam, who I, uh, who I think they should get all along anyway. Yeah, no, I, KT is going to be an interesting guy and in how he, how, you know, just, just how this process, how the combine, how, what happens in the combine, like, how's he, I how, think he's, he's, he's going to, he's going to blow up the contract. Yeah. He's it's like, how's right. he, it's as far as like straight it. ahead speed, like he's going to, he's going to have that. And he, you see the twitching. And so, you know, he's going to, you know, uh, long jump, and a uh, high jump, something stupid like that's that's not my concern with him. My concern is we'll 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 see in those on the um, the position drills, right? When those, those those bag drills, when they have the two pop up bags, we'll see if he can flip his hip because that's always a big emphasis. Everybody tries to speed through those things, but they really want to see who can flip their hips at the top of the route, uh, top of the rush. I don't know why I keep saying route, top of the rush because you have to take away that punching surface from offensive tackles, right? So that's a big thing, guys that go through that drill, like. I want to let everybody know, don't speed through that drill. Flip your hips, right? That's what they want to see. They want to see you a violent club, and they want to see you flip that hip because it's going to get you to the quarterback that much sooner. Yeah, no, it just, it'll be interesting to see. I know Solomon Thomas is a guy that – it's interesting the way his career and he's kind of DeMarvin Leal out of, out of, uh, of A&M is a guy that – very so, similar. Like, what, I love him. Like, maybe because I'm biased because I was a tweener coming out, and that's how I made 10 years in the NFL. But it was crazy. When I came out in the league, like, being a tweener was tweener was looked at as, like, a bad thing. But two years after that, J.J., you know, J.J. Watt and Muhammad Wilkerson and all those guys came out. It was the damn greatest thing ever. But all of a sudden <laughs> now, the last couple of years, being a tweener is, like, a, a suspect thing. Because you look at guys like him, Zach Carter, Logan Hall. Like, all these guys, to me, skill set-wise, have potential to go first, second round. But a guy like Zach Carter from Florida is probably going to go third round, which I think is ridiculous. He's going to be a starter a long time in this league. Logan Hall, um, I think he's best suited for four three left end, and then where he's going to make his money is rushing over the guard on third downs. Right to me, position flexibility that makes a guy even more valuable. Like I, I, I don't get it. Like. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. 
You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The, the Marvin Leal coming into the season was probably a top five pick. Now all of a sudden, guys don't have him in the first round at all. And I don't understand it. Like I, I went back and watched his film versus Ole Miss. Oh my God, he was unblockable. <laughs> and, and and I thought the coach played him at right end way too much that game. I think they should have got him over some of them guards a little bit more uh, during that game and let him use his athletic ability. But even at right end, he was a nightmare to block in the run and pass game. So I'm like, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know why teams are kind of down on him. I think it's maybe the, the 20 thing, like you said. But just a few years ago, that was the greatest thing ever. And it's like the number of 3-4 teams has not gone down that much. And they actually gained one because I believe Minnesota's going to the 3-4 now. Um, so, like, guys like that, man, guys that, that are, you know, position flexibility that you can move around, put them at, you know, head up over the, uh, the tackle, then move them to three technique, and then put them in a tight five. Like, why would you not take guys like that in the first round? Like, they're never coming off the field because they're so uh, position flex where they can play so many positions. So, I, I, I don't get it. Sometimes these talent evaluators just do too much. Yeah, it's, 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 he's an interesting guy. It's like that, you know, too, too small to play, um, you know, consistently on three downs inside, but then it's like, do they have the athleticism and speed to play outside? Um, so is there a well, outside yeah, on first or second and move them inside on third? It's it that simple. It shouldn't be this hard, but um, is there one guy that's, you know, let's say the Jets end up going with the Quanu at four, who, you know, we both think would be a great pick there and they do something else at 10. Is there a guy in that 35 or 38 range, usually second round edges, very hit or miss. Um, yeah. Is there a guy that you saw either mobile or, you know, you're looking forward to seeing an in indie that would, um, you know, could be a potential good fit for the jets at 35 and 38 and, um, you know, maybe make an impact in that, you know, that early second round window. Uh, specific position. Or yeah. From just like, from like a D line or edge perspective, they've decided to go oh, edge in round okay. two. Yeah. 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 So, um, I mean, our guys remain is gone. I don't know these kind of, no, no chance. Which I saw your tweet today. It's funny that, that so many people have him all over the place. I think he's going in the top 20, honestly. You'd be a fool. Philadelphia would be a fool not to take him in, in the top 20. No, one nuts. of those three picks they have. Uh, but a guy I really liked about, I talked about this yesterday with Connor, was my Jay Sanders. I think he'd be a really good fit. Um, again, he could be the third in, right? So he doesn't have to have as much pressure. Then on third down, you put him on the opposite side of Carl at the left end and let him rush and you move JFM inside and I had my Jay Sanders as the first round in, you know, halfway through the season, even towards the end of the season. Uh, but it seems like teams have kind of, you know, fallen off, not fallen off on them because if you go high in the second, I mean, that's still a really good place to go. You're one of the top 40 or 50 players in the NFL draft. Like that's, that's saying something, right? Um, yeah. But I, I literally had him as a late first round pick and he's the guy that has some twitches. He actually reminds me more of Chandler Jones than Thibodeau as far as being like that long defensive end that's kind of like like slanky, that's slippery, that can find his way off of uh, offensive tackles. 
He just has to bring his pad level down. He just plays a little high. And it's because he's tall. He's, he's a legit, like, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Uh, I saw him at Mobile, stood next to him. I was like, this this dude's kind of tall. Like, put, on a little, put on a little weight in his legs. It'll yeah. be fun. Yeah, I mean, but he, I mean, he weighs like two fifty five, two six. So I think you know people forget uh, when you're you're taller, like you you're you're you weigh more. You than look different. People, yeah, you you weigh more than people would think. So he may look like he's only two thirty five, two forty, but he's about two fifty five, two sixty because of the length and the height. So and he and he and he plays with power, right? So he can hit you with speed and power. He can hit you with that swipe. I love his this double swipe move on the edge, and then he can hit you with it with the stab slap. So uh, I think he's a guy, if they can really develop, they're going to get most a lot of bang for their buck, taking him, you know, early in the second round. But then, you know, if, if we're talking about it, Kenny Lee, I know a guy that we both love is Trey McBride at the tight end position. Granted, there's been, you know, rumors that the Jets could potentially try to add a tight end in free agency too. Uh, the only one to me that honestly makes sense is Dalton Schultz, but you literally have to pay arm and leg. And then the Cowboys might actually franchise him. So we don't know what's, what's going on, but if they're not able to get, you know, a Dalton Schultz in, you know, free agency because he's a guy that can block and can, you know, stretch the, the seams on, on defense. And what that's exactly what you have to do in this, you know, Mike LaFleur offense. I think a guy like Trey McBride makes a lot of, a lot of sense. And a lot of people don't have any tight ends going in the first. Um, he's my number one tight end on the board for sure. We talked about it. Sure-handed guy will mix it up in the block game. And he's just so savvy at the top of routes, being able to create separation. He doesn't have like burner speed, but he has enough speed and he has enough savviness to get open at the, the top of the routes. I was standing next to some scouts um, in the NFL. We were watching practice this week and in the red zone, this dude just could not be stopped. And and one of the, <laughs> one of the scouts said, yeah, he knows he has it. He knows he has it. So he has a lot of confidence too. Like, And you kind of worry about that, a kid coming from like Colorado State. But this kid has a ton of confidence and he can play. And, and my other kind of crush at the tight end position is the guy that we really love. And, and that's Jeremy Rucker. Mm -hmm. I like, I love his dog, the dog in him. Like if they could get both of those guys in the draft, like, and I, and I wouldn't mind it. Right. Because, no, me you know, sometimes, you know, Michael Ford implores all the 12 personnel as well too. So think about Jeremy Rucker, like he wasn't utilized a lot in the passing game at Ohio state. So I think he's going to be a better pro than he was a college player. And we know what we're going to get from him in a blocking game. And that's what you have to do in this Mike LaForce system. But he has the speed and swagger to, to separate from defenders. And, and he has good hands. Like you wouldn't normally, you know, you know, attest to somebody being a good blocker with a, a tight end that has really good hands. But he does a little bit of both. So I don't, I'm not going to call him George Kittle, but I think he can be under that trajectory where he has a better pro career than he had college career as far as being able to be a complete tight end in the NFL. Yeah, he's a guy that he's kind of like similar to Dawson Knox too. That yeah, really like good that athlete, a, good a really good athlete that just he's actually from like 15 minutes where I live now, and um, you know people are obviously very excited. They want him to be a Jeff. Yeah, I know the Jets love him. They yeah, want the story, <laughs> stories and all that stuff. But um, you know, so he's a legit six five two fifty, and he just he does everything well. Um, I think that's something that you can't. Sometimes it's okay to just be good at everything. You, you know, having one elite traits really important, but. If you don't do it like you know, John Ross has a lot of uh, had a lot of speed. If you can't do anything else well, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, it's not like basketball where you can kind of get away with having your one. You know, you can be a great shooter, defender, and kind of get away with it. Um, two other guys I want to hit on quickly. Well, talked... I want to I want to touch on something you said, and that that was a really good point, Will. Like, and looking at this as a draft, right? Um, there's no like elite crazy talent, but I think there's a lot of good depth. There's going to be a lot of good pros for eight to nine, ten years in this draft and that's at the tight end position there might not be one that goes in the first but there's going to be starters in the fourth fifth round that get called like Cole Turner I really like him I believe he has the potential to be a, a starter uh, Isaiah likely is a little weird I think he's an H back but he's he's going to be a mismatch for safeties and linebackers trying to cover him out of the backfield when he's flexed out so this is a deep tight end group we already talked about record we already talked about Trey McBride the kid uh how do you say Dorsey from UCLA? I think he's going to oh, be a Dorchich, really good I think. Dorchich, yeah. yeah. He's going to be a really good player in the league for a long time. So this is this is a deep group. And I know the defensive tackle group, people haven't you know really talked about. It. Everybody talks about Jordan Davis. He's honestly, I mean, Travis Jones is my number one D tackle coming in, uh, you know, to draft weekend right now. I think he's earned the most money from Mobile, probably besides Perry and Winfrey. Uh, I think Winfrey was probably a six round pick going into that weekend. I think. Um, Travis Jones is probably fourth, fifth round, and Travis Jones is definitely worked up into the second, and Perry Winfrey's probably worked his way up into the third round. 
um, this is a great depth class in the, in the defensive line group. Like there's no, for sure, like elite all-star, like there's no Von Miller's, right. There's no yeah. miles Garrett's, but there's going to be some good players that play a long time in the NFL. Yeah. Something that I think we, I think people that are around, you know, cover the league and around the league understand this, but like, it's okay to just to draft good players hundred um, percent at some level that's what not, makes your team though you know yeah there's like 22 all pros get, every year yeah exactly. everybody you can't have an elite player at every position you want to have good players at every position and you want to have one or two elite players on your team that's how you can make runs and be consistently good throughout the year yeah it's just it's people everyone sees one guy and oh this guy's a future all pro i, I just think we, we gotta stop that you gotta stop <laughs> you gotta stop maybe pro stop you can say pro bowler because everyone makes the pro bowl in 2022 or 2021 Literally. right but <laughs> all pro you know that those are those guys are tier one like they make you know there's a reason they are the way they are so um want to hit on two you know two guys that are i think that are very the corner position right now in this scheme i think we i think we forget that like in seattle where, when Salo is there three of the four guys are potential hall of fame level players yeah um i think as good as that d-line but two, but two was of those were what two of those are safeties so you know that's what and I talked about earlier. That's right. why I think it's the, the most important position for this defense going into this offseason. Shout out to Brandon Browner, pre-Adderall. He was a dog yeah, as well. He um, was. He was. And then you look at San Francisco in that 2019 run. I think, you know, as much as we talk about how much Nick Bosa really, you know, transformed that into like, you know, the Fred Warner and Armstead and yeah. uh, Buckner and all those guys. But, you know, at the same time, Richard Sherman was an all pro in 2019. Um, so let's, I just don't want people was, to, I know he made pro bowl, but was he? he all yeah, pro yeah. I looked it up before I was talking to DJ about this. I'm like, do people remember he had good, he, he made was, the all pro team. Yeah, like, I, yeah. And I have love, love for Sherman. I don't know if he should have made the all pro. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, that was, <laughs> that was questionable, but at the same time, he obviously was very, you know, they having a good playmaking corner is important. hundred um, percent. Two guys that I'm, I think everyone's very high and they're very hard to kind of decipher what you do with Derek Stingley because his 2019 tape is, Probably top two or three best college corner tapes I've ever seen. He was the best player in the country, and that's including Jamar Chase. Which is crazy because he was which a is freshman. crazy. He's a true freshman. He was 18 he years was a old. freshman. There, there was a story. I don't know if – I think Mike Renner was talking about this on his podcast that Derek Singley came to a camp, I think as a junior or senior, and, like, he was already committed to LSU and, like, hopped in practice at LSU and just dominated people, like, when he was still in high school, dominated mm-hmm. people. Um, but then 2020 COVID year, I guess you throw that out the window, right? Kind of for everybody. It's just, it's hard to decipher what, what happened. I think he almost opted out and didn't. Um, 2021 was weird because I felt like he wasn't quite as good. Then he gets hurt. And it's like, is he 2019 Derek Stingley going forward? Or is he 2021? And then Sauce Gardner is a lower level competition. The incredible, you know, the no touchdowns allowed. He's 6'3", 200 pounds. If the Jets... Let's just take out, you know, the valuation of the pick. But if the Jets are a 10 and Stingley or Sauce is there, do you have a preference on who they would go with? Is it like the higher floor guy or do you go with the – because Derek Stingley's made in the lab. He's like, what, 6'3", 215, he's going to run 4'3". It's all that stuff, but the injuries and the decline slightly in play is – Yeah, is but Sauce Gunner's like 6'3", too. Yeah, they're both, they're both big corners. They, I think yeah. that's, that's what's appealing about them. Do you have a preference on, you know, which guy you think could be a better fit in New York um, if they go at the corner at 10? I would say Sauce Garner, and at one because you have the, the the film, you know, to to prove prove taking him at ten. And honestly, if he had came out last year, I think he still would have been a first round corner. And uh, this is not just because he's in the American Conference. Everybody knows I went to UCF, but I, I had a chance to watch this kid grow the last three years. And and this guy will come up and hit you in the run game. And I think that's so pivotal in today's NFL. Um, not only at the slot position, but at the corner position, because teams are now scheming up corners and safeties to make them tackle in the run game. Because, you know, on toss plays, on stretch plays, when you got pulling guys on the outside, those corners can't cut anymore, right? So they have to set the edge and they have to be physical. And we saw versus Alabama in the college football playoff, him numerous times come up in the run game and make tackles. Him make open field tackles, one-on-one situations when he was playing off man or when he was playing, you know, zone coverage. So I think he's built for this, you know, cover three slash man coverage that the, the Jets play now, play a lot more man than, you know, they did in San Francisco when Salah was there. Uh, blitz a lot on third down, play man cover and coverage. And you know, that's what Sauce Garner can do. But in the run game, you know, he's going to come up in here. And I think that's something that would really impress me about the young corners the Jets had this past year. Like they were not scared to hit. Michael Carter will come up and hit you in the mouth. Like, um, um, 
Echoes. I don't know why I'm having a brain, brain echoes fart right now. Echoes, echoes will come and hit you in, in the mouth. And even, even my guy, 37, will come up and hit you in the mouth in the run game. So these young corners will tackle. And I think that Sauce Garner fits in perfectly with that scheme. So now you're talking about having four really good corners. Uh, I think Michael Carter is going to be penciled in at corner. And I would not be surprised if they did take a Sauce Garner at 10 overall if there's a potential battle for the other, you know, corner spot, you know, people automatically assume that Brandon Eggles would be the, the odd guy out, but this guy can go get the ball now and he will come up and hit you. So he, he's scrappy, you know, six round pick from Kentucky. He went out there and, and had some really big games this year for the Jets. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see if they take a corner at 10 routinely in this, in this scheme, they don't do it. Um, but if you want a game changing corner, I think sauce Gunner is the guy you go get. Yeah, I mean, I know we both obviously talk to people in the building. I think they are. I think people don't realize how much how high they are in Brandon Eccles in terms of his oh, they are. athletic <laughs> his athletic ability. He obviously you know was able to cause to create turnovers. Um, one last thing before we we kind of you know go here um, in terms of you know kind of the Jets you know going forward. What are I guess actually it's two things. One, do you have a Robert Salas story playing underneath him that you that kind of shows what type of you know, kind of person he is. Cause I think unless you're around it, you see Robert Sala the way he interacts with people. Um, it's hard to understand like the way he interacts with players, like just truly how much people really do want to play for him. And then B, what is, what's a realistic, obviously we don't know what's going to happen, but is there a goal you think the Jets need to have in mind of like, they need to get to this barometer next year for me to feel really good about going into 2023. Is it playoffs? Is it six wins? Is it I want to see Zach Wilson look good and win and be competitive after a certain point. Like, where do you kind of stand on that? So two-parter, obviously, um, you know, we'll finish up with those. I'll start off with the solid story. Um, first word I would use to describe him is infectious, right? His energy is so infectious. And you saw it, you know, during free agency last year, his first year, so many guys potentially wanted to come here and, and play for him, like Carl Lawson, and, and others, Sheldon Rankins, and there was even, you know, rumors that Deshaun Watson wanted, wanted this to be his number one landing spot, um, you know, pre-everything that came out with him and the issues that he's dealing with off the field. So infectious, man, and, and he's authentic, right? Um, what you see on camera, that's literally who this guy is. Like, there's multiple times during this year where I was just in a meeting talking to him, and it's literally the same guy I remember um, in San Francisco in 20. 17, a uh, funny story in um, 2017, this is his first year as a D coordinator uh, out in San Francisco. He's the only coach that I know till this day uh, that goes out on the field in cleats. Like he wears cleats out on the field because he's literally running after the ball before players are turning and running after the ball. Like that's the type of energy he brings to the practice field. And that same type of energy he brings in the meeting room. Like he'll put up brain teasers in the beginning, you know, because training camp can get long, right? And even those meetings can get long during the season when you're talking about a 17 week schedule of meetings, the same schedule over and over. So he would just do little things to, to get our juices flowing in the morning as far as brain teasers. Um, the little basketball net, you know, you take teams, you know, in the meeting room, taking shots on the basketball net. Uh, this guy's just infectious and he's, and he's authentic and, and, and players can tell pretty early on while you're coaching them, if you're authentic and what type of energy you're bringing. Right. And I think players feed off that. And we saw that on the field, like even though the jets were out of the playoffs by, I would say maybe <laughs> um, Halloween, they were still out there playing hard. Right. We saw, they almost took out the, well, it was, there was the reigning Super Bowl champs in Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They took them to the wire. You know, Philadelphia Eagles, who went to the playoffs, they took them to the wire. Uh, Miami Dolphins one game out of the playoffs. They took them to the wire in both games. So this is a team that continuously fought, no matter who was on the field. And that's a direct replication of what their coach brings day in and day out. Um, for your – what was the second question? Just like, <laughs> just like what's – I guess – What's the realistic expectation of where okay, you like right. to, like a barometer that you want to, I mean, obviously we have to see what they address, you know, they could go out yeah, and yeah. sign five great guys and it's going to change, but just yeah. generally speaking. Well, honestly, I think, I think they should be playing meaningful games in December, right? They should be in the hunt still in December. I'm not going to say the Jets are going to make the playoffs, but I think as far as they, if they hit on this draft class, like they hit in 21 and then if they can actually get some production from their free agents, because I don't think there's enough emphasis put on this. People 
for the last hundred years. You got to build through the draft. Well, these last two Super Bowl teams proved that's bullshit. Right? Yeah. You can go out sure. and buy you a championship team, right? So the thing is, when you get three to five free agents and two of those are like supposed to be elite talent, um, you need those elite talent players to step up and make big plays, right? You can't have them be mediocre or miss whole seasons or miss good portions of the season because it sets you back in, for one, in the cap space, it sets you back on your team too because you've allocated so many funds to this one position. They're going to be here for two to three years. Well, you can't really add money to that position again because you're already paying somebody in that position. So I think, honestly, hitting free agency is bigger than hitting in the draft. For one, you're not going to get as many players unless you're the Rams where you're like F them picks. Yeah. <laughs> then you're going to have, you know, more free agents than you have draft picks or even Tampa Bay who went out and signed a boatload of, you know, free top in free agents and got them for cheap because they wanted to come play for Tom, but you got to hit on your free agents. So the Jets, you know, could potentially bring in three or four guys, three of those guys or three to five guys, three of those guys have to hit and be immediate playmakers. I'm talking about game changing playmakers and they've been linked to, you know, Colin Davis, who I think would be a really good corner. So if they, you know, address that there, then they don't have to take a corner in the top 10, you know, at the tight end position. Uh, I like Mike Gusecki. I don't think he'll fit in this game because um, I think he's going to have he a doesn't hard time block. fitting. Yeah, he doesn't really block. Uh, he's going to have a hard time fitting in the scheme in Miami if they do decide to franchise tag or bring him back down because it's essentially the same scheme that the Jets are running now that Mike McDaniel has went down there. So, um, you know, those are the two big free agent, you know, tight ends coming out this year. You got guys like David Njoku who could potentially – play his better football at the back end of his career because he has a lot of athletic ability. Um, some of the issues with him is staying healthy, right? And then also coaching change that hurt him in Cleveland as well. But he's a guy maybe you can get on a one-year deal that really has the potential, kind of like Martellus Bennett, who signed that one-year deal um, in New York, was able to take off and then got a big deal in Chicago. So a guy like David Njoku is also an option for the Jets. So uh, they could take a, a tight end. And then, um, you know, they've been linked to, to maybe taking the offensive line. And if it's not Brandon Scherf, uh, I don't want anybody else. Like, honestly, as far as the free agent pool, like Brandon Scherf, um, I know Zeus Brown is a free agent. I don't think the Chiefs are going to let him go anywhere. Um, and, you know, Connor Williams to me, I think we're, we're set as far as inside. I'd rather keep the guys we have than get him. Nothing against him, but he, he had a, a ton of penalties holding penalties. every game. It's like yeah. penalties. So uh, I'm not I'm not big on getting bringing him into the Jets either. So, but whatever they do, like whatever you know, it's safety's obviously a big position. They I think they monumentally have to hit that in free agency, whether it's Marcus Williams or Jordan Whitehead or you know bringing Diggs in from Seattle. They have to hit on the safety position in free agency. The three of the five guys they bring in, three of those guys have to be game-changing playmakers or it's going to set the Jets back again. Yeah, at the end of the day, look, they you got to you got to start hitting on guys that you pay big money to. That's just that's just the reality of it. Exactly. Um Yeah, no, we'll we'll see what happens. Um obviously appreciate you, you know, hopping on. This will not be a uh, not be a one-time thing obviously, but um look, at the end of the day, we'd like to I think we all like to see the same thing. We'd like to we'd like to talk about a winning football team or um, someone playing competitive games. So um, obviously anyone that doesn't know where to find you, if you have anything, you have anything coming up, uh, you know, feel free to kind of, uh, plug that. And then, yeah, no, we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a lot more fun upcoming stuff. We have a bunch of draft features and things like that, you know, come up on the pod and we'll have a lot of stuff from Mindy, uh, for everyone as well. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, at Lige does what L E G E R D is a dog. O U Z A B L E. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter, man, a lot of content going up. And as Will said, as we get closer to the draft and then I'll be dropping some more gems for you guys. Um, I'm a fun follow, man. Follow me. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And make sure, you know, obviously, uh, you know, make sure you give him a follow and then obviously subscribe to all the stuff and uh, you know, we'll talk to you guys next week.